Welcome to Schoolhouse Equity in Education. I am Allison Brown, and I am your host. We witnessed on Saturday a tremendous movement moment, the Women's March, that brought together millions of women all over the world for solidarity, for justice, for freedom. And today, we have the opportunity to talk to Girls for Gender Equity, an incredible group out of New York City, about their work related to schools, equity in education, and how the work that we saw on Saturday and the conversations that we have seen come out of Saturday's movement moment relates to the work that they have been doing for so many years. Kate McDonough is the Director of Organizing for Girls for Gender Equity, and Joanne Smith is the Founder and Executive Director of Girls for Gender Equity. Hi to you both. Hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much. So Joanne, I'll start with you. What is Girls for Gender Equity? So Girls for Gender Equity is an intergenerational organization that develops the leadership and advocacy skills of young people, specifically cis and trans gender nonconforming young people, really center intergenerational framework in addressing racial and gender injustice within the 21st century. And so we work in middle school, high school, college uh, with alums. We work with policymakers um, and government around participatory governance, and as well as work with philanthropy to uh, really center the needs of young people, girls of color in particular, black girls to get specific, and the needs that they have throughout this uh, tumultuous time, but also throughout their lifespan. And Kate, what are some of the specific strategies, what are the tactics that you all use to advance your mission? A lot of our focus is on, particularly when it comes to working around schools and advancing gender justice within our school system, we're looking towards systematic change. So what needs to be in place to ensure that young women of color are invested in, that we support and promote their success. So one thing that we've been really working on a lot at Girls for Gender Equity is our school push-out campaign, Mm -hmm. where we identify how institutionalized racism and sexism and transphobia and homophobia push young women out of school. So we've been doing a lot of work on what we call our School Girls Deserve campaign, Mm -hmm. where we've engaged over 100 uh, cis and trans young women throughout New York City, where they talk specifically about how they experience school push out and then lift up the vision of the school that they want and deserve and need. And so through these visions, we're also able to push for a stronger policy on the state level. So right now, Girls for Gender Equity is a member of the Every Student Succeeds Act think tank mm-hmm. um, here in New York State, uh, which Every Student Succeeds Act is essentially replacing the No Child Left Behind law. And um, part of this process is to actually write out New York State's next education plan. Mm-hmm. So through that work, we're really uplifting how to create positive school climates for young women of color in hopes that this can be a part of New York State's 
overall plan. You know, I mentioned the Women's March that happened on Saturday, and there was and is such tremendous energy around the march, and there was and is a lot of conversation about women's rights in this moment. How does the work that Girls for Gender Equity is doing and has been doing How does that relate to what we saw on Saturday and broader conversations about women's rights? It was undeniably galvanizing to be Mm -hmm. at the march and uh, see and be with millions of others, hundreds of thousands of others, and to see the energy around women, around feminism, to hear, of course, the most profound thinkers and speakers on stage, as well as be in community with people who have been doing this work for so long. And so... Uh, while being in the space, while, you know, before going to the space, even in what it took to convince myself to be there because we've been marching for so long, mm-hmm. there also was a deep sense of mourning and resentment, a wish and desire of what should and could have been during an actual Obama administration mm-hmm. if this much energy was actually generated around the work that we have been uplifting, along with hundreds of other organizations. We're not alone in that fight for the last 15 years. To have an intersectional framework around feminism, to understand that our movements are cross-movement and we need to cross-movement build, to understand the inequities that our government and our state-sanctioned violence imposes on our lives, our bodies, our reproductive health. These are fights that Black women and girls have been fighting from the beginning of time, from the beginning Mm -hmm. of our time here in the United States and globally. And so to see such energy around these fights, or at least some of these fights, or so many people at least ready and willing to throw their hat in the ring and say, okay, I'll engage in this, was motivating. And at the same time, there's still a lot of bridges to be built Mm -hmm. to connect the dots around what an intersectional practice actually looks like and feels like and how it can better serve the work that is already happening within our communities mm-hmm. and within multiple spaces. Well, one of the things that you mentioned earlier, Joanne, was, you know, kind of the participatory nature of the work that you all do at Girls for Gender Equity. And I wonder, Kate, if you would talk a little bit about what participatory action research is. And, and I ask because, you know, standing in the midst of this many people, women, men, transgender, folks who were all in one space, all speaking with a multitude of voices, it made me think about, you know, access. And if young women had access to this community of people to ask them a set of questions, what might those questions be and what might it actually lead us to. So Kate, first, what is participatory action research and why is it important for equity and education for girls and young women of color? So participatory action research is a form of research that really centers in the community. So instead of having um, the way research is traditionally thought of, having like a researcher come into a community, ask questions, publish a report and leave, it's Really, the community itself identifying an issue, coming up with you know the questions and the research methods, and then 
doing that research and then through this process of engaging with one another, coming up with a solution. Mm-hmm. I would like to also note that it works within a cycle. So just because you do one round of participatory action research doesn't mean that, you know, everything's done and over with. You know, you can try out the solution. Maybe you've missed something and you have to circle back. But it's this constant community engagement. And why I think it's so important, particularly when it comes to education justice and uh, supporting young women of color, is it trusts community members to be experts in their own experiences mm-hmm. and also trusts community members to be able to come up with their own solutions to the problems that they face day in and day out. I think what tends to happen with education policy is that we forget to talk to the young people who are experiencing school every day. Mm-hmm. Um, they know it's up and we really should engage them because even the most well-intentioned ally is going to miss something. So it's especially important, and I think even more so now with a new administration that denies our experiences and our expertise. Joanne, you mentioned having to convince yourself to participate in the march on Saturday, and you really have been, and Girls for Gender Equity has been really instrumental at bringing conversations and issues related to women and girls of color to the fore, really leading the charge to ensure that the federal government and the Obama administration really paid attention to issues that women and girls of color face. What were the challenges that you were experiencing in in trying to convince yourself to participate in the march on Saturday? And how does that fit in the broader sense of the work that has to happen from this day forward? One of the challenges is exactly something that you named, which was accessibility. Mm-hmm. So even thinking about what it would take to get our girls down there, what it would take to get the staff down there, if it wasn't for the multiple buses and bases on buses, many people wouldn't have been able to even go. We also were gifted a hotel to be there. Mm-hmm. So they were $1,800 just for three nights. And so, you know, that kind of accessibility isn't at our fingertips. But also, bigger than that, it was the already feeling of grief and mourning over, you know, who is in office and how yeah. that person got there. Uh, the work that you talk about that we've done together, Allison, that many of us have done, you know, it comes at a cost. And so at this, you know, last stage of the work, especially with an Obama administration moving on mm-hmm. and the expectation of, you know, a more progressive administration to come in, we thought that work would be continued. Yeah. Um, but it essentially, you know, really got stomped in the sense of access to the White House and access to federal government and programs and initiatives that have been set up, access to funding and resources, and even the convening space that we occupied so many times to strategize Mm -hmm. uh, was essentially cut off in a way that it's not a complete loss, of course, because it has us actually build critical mass by engaging locally, as well as we saw this weekend have, you know, unlikely allies, as well as folks who, you know, have been waiting to engage or looking for a way in which they can contribute to the movement. It has caused them to rise and to really show up. But for us who have been really pushing an administration that, you know, for the most part, we felt is progressive and mm-hmm. and really just trying to get them that 25% of the way there on, on issues, 
you know, it, it was pretty daunting to mm-hmm. then have a new administration. So in that already climate of this new administration, then it's the charge around how the actual uh, Women's March even started. I was at the 1997 Million Women's March, and, you know, that was a revolution and radical act to really even challenge the Brothers of Islam and, you know, Farrakhan and set up a march where we centered ourselves as Black women in Philadelphia, you know, and I was Mm -hmm. pretty young at the time and excited, and it was a moment where I've never been around so many you know, black people and women, mm-hmm. especially who are uh, centering our needs. And so here, okay, this is how this march is starting. And then to, um, you know, again, just feel like this labor of really pushing progressive, you know, intersectional feminism mm-hmm. that we live every day seamlessly that runs through our revolutionary blood. <laughs> that is how we survive, actually just felt daunting. You know, I'm yeah. grateful for the many women who organized it and grateful women of color came aboard and had the energy. I was very much indebted to them and, and grateful for that. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it was clear that I really needed to be in community. And that's the reason yeah. I did go was because so much of my community, um, not the people I didn't know, but the people I did know and deeply love and care for and I'm accountable to, mm-hmm. went. And so together, about 30 of us, you know, really marched, we held circle, we sang, we cried, we ate together, we drank, you know, <laughs> we, we talked and we strategized. And it's that kind of deep community and commitment to each other, looking at each other in each other's eyes and, and knowing that, you know, this is lifelong work and we're still in this together as we move forward, as we figure out strategy, as we see where we're best suited also, because as Brooklyn Jenner, we can talk about some of the work we do, mm-hmm. but, you know, our sole purpose is to support the development of young people and the leadership and advocacy skills that they need to develop to be change agents, you know, as they grow in each stage of their life, right? So mm-hmm. to build that critical mass, it requires to have us to have an infrastructure that supports that and can hold that. And so there's much work for us to do internally and, and much work for us to do in multiple places and work mm-hmm. also being asked and pulled in multiple places. So it's really important that we center ourselves. So I know it's a lot of that some of the reasons why, you know, I, I second guess going. I have no regrets. I'm glad I went, especially because I got to go to the Peace Ball uh, mm-hmm. as well, and especially because, you know, Girl Trek did Black Women's Healing Circles, and, you know, it's just inspiring to see how people are coming together in radical self-care and love. Yeah. I just wanted to add, Allison, you asked if our girls had access to the crowd and, and the people at the march, uh, what would they ask? Mm-hmm. And one thing that our work is really grounded in is deep listening and deep understanding of the expertise that each person comes into the room and the space with. And so I would turn that around and mm-hmm. say, girls would ask that everybody listen, everybody watch, everybody learn, because so much of what we are as a whole society now encountering, they are living through every day and have valuable skills and insight, knowledge and expertise that can lend itself to getting us through this time. And that's not just our girls, that's girls throughout the nation, that's girls globally, you know, women who've been doing this work, that's trans women, gender non-conforming folks, anyone who has actually had to endure not being the status quo and has made it, right? has something to add to this dialogue that should be listened to. I love, Joanne, knowing that you and I were together in 97 at the Million Women March. And again, (laughs) here in D.C. on Saturday. That's right. I really appreciate the Girls for Gender Equity's frame on 
community as experts. And Kate, you know, just thinking about schools that girls deserve and that and that being a community-centered, community-built concept, I think is really important. So if you had a message that you could deliver to the attendees of the Women's March on Saturday about equity in education, about access to education for girls and young women of color, what would that message be? I would say that what we're facing here with Donald Trump is not new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Institutionalized racism and sexism is within the fabric of our country and created the conditions for him to be able to become our president. Mm-hmm. I would challenge everyone to think about the role that they've either played in perpetuating that or the role that they've played in disrupting that. And when it comes to education justice, through community, through love, through uncompromising solidarity, particularly with centering cis and trans women of color, Mm -hmm. we can create new realities and build a society where someone like Donald Trump wouldn't even rise to the level that he's in. He wouldn't have even been on our radar Mm -hmm. because that is not our values. And I do think centering in education justice is one of the many pathways to get there. So well said. Uncompromising solidarity. Uncompromising, unconditional solidarity. I I love that. Kate and Joanne, thank you both so very much. Kate McDonough is the Director of Organizing for Girls for Gender Equity. Joanne Smith is the Founder and Executive Director of Girls for Gender Equity. Thank you both for being on Schoolhouse today. If folks want to find out more about GGE, how can they do that? Sure. Folks can find out more by going to our webpage, ggenyc.org, our Facebook page, Growth for Gender Equity, as well as Twitter, ggenyc.org. As you all know, at the Communities for Just Schools Fund, we support community organizers, grassroots organizers, youth-led, parent-led, teacher-led even organizers all over the country who are pushing for change, pushing for equity and justice in their schools. CJSF really believes in the power of story. And the stories that we will continue hearing from Saturday's March will be shaping policy and policy agenda for years to come. I'm so grateful, I'm so glad that Girls for Gender Equity was a participant in Saturday's March, both in New York City and here in Washington, D.C., And I'm privileged and honored that I had the chance to sit down to talk to them about their experience, their story of Saturday's March. The speeches were high energy, too, from Melanie Campbell to Michael Moore to Ashley Judd to Van Jones, Janet Mock, and of course, some of the organizers, Carmen Perez, Tamika Mallory, Linda Sarsour, we were treated to some of the most remarkable contemporary figures this world has seen. Say it. We are an uprising of love. We are an uprising of love. We are an uprising of love. Choose it every day. The movement moment that we experienced on Saturday took place in over 70 countries around the world. The energy on Saturday in Washington, D.C. was palpable and electric. 
The crowd was multiracial, multigenerational. It felt like a moment, particularly for white women, to voice their anger, their fear, their commitment to fighting for change. And it was a space for women of color to do so yet again, and in safety, without fear of rubber bullets or tear gas or arrest. We found Teresa Younger, the president and CEO of the Ms. Foundation for Women, in the crowd. Teresa, why are you here today and, and what, are you, what are you feeling right now? I'm here today uh, because I want to march for all those women who marched before us. And I want to march so that we can bring together and show the true unity that makes up America. We are not just a women's movement. We are about the movements that affect the lives of women. And that's what we are reflecting here today. And what makes me excited is that we are here today. You know, as, as, as sad as it is that it required the election of somebody like Donald Trump to bring us together, is as exciting as it is that we all get to come together today. From all the movements that are affecting the lives of women, to stand together, both men and women, from across this country and across the globe, to say, you know what, women's rights are human's rights, and human rights are women's rights. We have known this for so long, and we need to remind each other that that is what we're working for. The signs alone were provocative, they were beautiful, they were hilarious, they were heartbreaking and inspiring. There were signs that read, keep your laws off my body, make Canada less appealing again, uh, the elephant in the womb with a picture of the GOP elephant. A picture of a, a Muslim sister that read, judge me by what's in my head, not what's on my head. And finally, equality is the basis of humanity. My daughter was with me, and while we were listening to the speeches, we happened upon another mother-daughter team in the crowd. My name is Golzar Saleh. I'm from Chantilly, Virginia. Wonderful. And why are you here at the Women's March? I'm here to fight for all the women that they were not able to see this opportunity that we see today. I'm here to fight for human rights, and I'm here to fight for my two daughters, my twins, that one of them is got a chance to be with me today, to be uh, in this historical day. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. And daughter? Daughter, I'm Shana Saleh. I'm here because as a young person, I feel the need um, to be a proper citizen. And, you know, it's my civic duty. I feel that a lot of the institutions that are supposed to protect me are now being threatened. You know, I'm 23 years old, so healthcare is a, is a concern for me, especially in this job market that we're in right now. I think access to free education for every student in the United States. I'm currently employed by Virginia Tech, so it's a public university. And so I think that every student uh, in the United States, whether documented or not, should have those same accesses that I have the privileges to. So that's why I'm here. I think most inspiring of all was the presence of young people in the crowd. There were 
girls and boys and um, just a very youthful energy that permeated the crowd. And one young woman spoke from the podium and she spoke with force and clarity about her family's experience as immigrants in this country and was, I'd venture a guess, that she was the youngest person to present in the speeches during the march. Um, Sophie presented with her family. questions about the feminist movement and women of color, about intersectionality, about the newness of this experience for the white women who were present and the oldness of this experience for far too many women of color, about the role of our men in this movement, were unanswered on this day. But there was plenty of room left for continuing discussions on these very topics. for listening in. Remember that you can follow me at Allison R. Brown on Twitter and sign up for the Communities for Just Schools Fund newsletter at cjsfund.org. Have a wonderful week.